Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Can you go to the dance with me? I'm going with Holly. Guess who asked me to the dance? Tell me, who is she? I'll never tell. Love hurts. Pretty as a picture. Morgan's out, um, so it's me and uh, Keith. Hi, Keith. Howdy. I think I'm your most recurring guest so far, right? You absolutely are. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, you're our favorite guest, so we have you back as often as we can. Sweet. Yeah. Okay, so it's the loved ones versus Gary George. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking the loved ones isn't based off of a true crime. And you're right. Gary George was inspired by The Loved Ones. Technically a bonus episode. So we decided to mix up the format a little bit. Um, Keith's actually the one that's going to be talking about the movie today. And uh, I'm going to be talking about the crime. Yeah, and this will be interesting too. Because uh, again, like my, my favorite thing is just to kind of go into everything blind. So I was thinking that also while I'm watching this movie. is like, you know, once it gets to... Uh, drilling people's heads and boiling their brains i'm like i hope this wasn't based on a real thing like what the fuck <laughs> right um but uh 
That actually is kind of funny because our next episode is a two-parter on Jeffrey Dahmer, and he kind of did that to people. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just because this isn't real doesn't mean terrible things like that don't happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. So, Gary so, yeah, George... Should I just... Oh, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Oh, uh, we're doing the crime first and then the movie. I oh, I see. So we're going to totally flip-flop it. Okay. Totally flipping it up. Yeah. I like it. All right. Okay. So there isn't a lot uh, about him, honestly. I Googled and Googled and Googled, and all I can really find is a bunch of variations pretty much on the initial reports on the crime and then uh, his sentencing. So, you know, I'm working with what I got, guys. Give me, cut me some slack. <laughs> So, um, 41-year-old Gary George was a homeless alcoholic uh, in the UK, in uh, Chester, I believe. I'm not sure where in the UK Chester is. I mean, it's in England. Um, (laughs) That narrows it down. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so, homeless alcoholic, huge horror movie buff. I was going to say, like, I wonder if he only ever saw one movie and it was The Loved Ones. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was a big horror movie buff, you know, which I obviously relate to. But um, he was also uh, interested in witchcraft and stuff. I would never murder someone. (laughs) Hey, you say that now. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if you're going to murder someone, like, why not tie it into your fandom, right? You might as well. Sure, but, like, my favorite horror movie is The Descent, and that's... (laughs) That's about like subterraneous cave creatures. Yeah. So <laughs> a, lot, a lot of setup when you, yeah, because you can't do it in just the heat of passion. You're like, hey, do you want to go spelunking with me sometime? <laughs> and then I have to like get lost and then come back dressed <laughs> like a cave creature. It seems like a lot of work. I'm honestly too lazy for that. <laughs> but then someone else would do a podcast about it and they would be impressed. So, you know, I'm just saying, just planting seeds someday <laughs> in the future. Guys, I'm not going to kill anyone, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) And then they can bring up this audio. It's going to be amazing someday. (laughs) You're right. We've just (laughs) set up the long con. (laughs) All right. So, like George, his victim, Andrew Nall, um, was also known to be an alcoholic, but by all accounts was a kind and generous man who just happened to have an addiction. Now, the, uh, the, the killer or the killee? They were both alcoholics. But but who was the kind and generous man? Oh, the the victim. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> not, okay. Not the killer, no. Nobody <laughs> said that about him. <laughs> he was known to be an asshole. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so he, w- he had been drinking uh, when Gary George decided to pay him a visit. And uh, pretty much in that drunken stupor, George took advantage of the situation and tied him up to a chair and began to torture him Mm. now yeah now (laughs) Nall's girlfriend um christina holleran was also at the flat and saw the whole attack happen now you're probably wondering well why didn't she stop him she does end up being um arrested and uh she ends up getting off uh she had the they had the charges dismissed but uh, they were looking into her 
having something to do with this murder. In reality, she was just scared shitless of this guy and was afraid that, you know, that would happen to her as well. So, mimicking uh, infamous scene from The Loved Ones, George carved symbols into Nall's chest and poured salt into the wounds. Uh, man, it would be super awesome if he was a total nerd and it was the LS from the movie. <laughs> like, if it was exactly like the movie, then I'd be impressed. Yeah, I, mean, I know, right? But, I mean, the man's drunk and this was clearly, like, <laughs> I don't think it was planned. I think right. he just was like, oh, he's drunk. You know what? Fuck it, I'm doing it. I'm living the dream. (laughs) (laughs) So, he ended up stabbing who, Nall, who he actually considered to be his best friend a total of 49 times. Yikes. Yeah, and then, so he basically insanguinated in a pool of his own blood in his bedroom. (sighs) That's a rough way to go. That is something... Yeah, and I mean, I guess we'll bring it up when we talk about the movie, but uh, I was impressed that the dude in the movie didn't bleed out from having a giant thing carved into his chest. So I guess we know in real life, yeah, you're probably, you're not going to make it, probably. I mean, among the other things that happens to the poor main character. <laughs> yeah. But I guess he didn't, to be fair, though, he didn't get stabbed 48 times or whatever, so there is that. No, he didn't. Um, they toyed with him uh, about as much as they did actual torture to him, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So after the attack, after uh, after the attack, uh, Gary George basically walks to the nearest bodega down the street and is just like, "So I just killed my best friend." <sighs> yeah. And so the cops are called, and he was picked up the following day after he actually attacked another man with a broken bottle. Yeah. And supposedly when being arrested, he actually said to the officers or asked them if they had ever seen the movie Fright Fest. And then he compared the crime and said it was like Fright Fest last night. But, I mean, clearly the scene is straight up the loved ones. Yeah, I don't know Fright Fest, actually. I've never heard of that. Is that another Australian film? <laughs> I don't... Maybe it's the highest grossing film in Chester, England. <laughs> Maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know. Because when you Google Fright Fest, I guess you have to Google Mostly, it just comes up with, like, um, different Like conventions? Films. Oh. Yeah, it's- <laughs> Up. So I'm not real sure. Um, and like some reports say fr- he said Fright Fest, and some reports said that he said Fright Night. Fright Night, right. the whole course of a different color. That's the 1980s film that was remade. Uh, but it's about a kid who lives next door to a vampire who's trying to like seduce his mother. So yeah. And to me, the the most memorable thing about Fright Night is that there's like a really long, like three minute long scene of a dude turning into a werewolf. So I assume it was not like that. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> but that is a great scene from that. Ah. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's Fright Night. Even that. I mean- that remake was kind of good too. Not to get us off off topic, but man, the remake had that uh, Anton. What was his name? The dude from uh, Star Yelchin. Trek. Yelchin. Yeah. The one that got ran over by his own car. Yeah, so brutal. Like I guess he didn't have the parking brake on or something, and something uh, like yeah, the that. car. 
just rolled into him and pinned him against his own fence and he died. It's like, holy shit, that sucks. That sucks so bad. Uh, yeah, so it's him. He's in the uh, the young teens role. And then um, Colin Firth plays the vampire. And uh, the Roddy uh, McDowell role of the magician, or the not magician, but um, the like... Joe Bob Briggs type character who hosts a show, but he's dressed more like Elvira, but manly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the horror host role. Uh, that's done by David Tennant, whom I adore. Uh, he's my favorite doctor. Was, if you're a doctor yeah, I was going to say, he was a Doctor Who, yeah, right? Yeah, he's my favorite doctor. He's the 10th doctor. I have action figures of him. <laughs> yeah, that was one of those remakes that, you know, kind of went under the radar, but it wasn't bad. It was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just because of the actors alone, I was in. Mm. Yeah. So, anywho. Null, while in custody... Um, not Null, sorry. George, while in custody, pretty much comes up with an I, you know, a lie as to why he killed him and says, oh, he was a pedophile. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, this poor man was not a pedophile. Don't believe this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he said not only that he was a pedophile, but he also claimed that he had raped Christine Holleran. Uh, George believed he was justified, or at least he says that he believed that he was justified in the brutal torture and murder of his friend. Now, um, along with the carvings on his body, there are also strange symbols all over the walls. That uh, they believe to be related to George's interest in witchcraft. Um, George and Christine were both tried for the murder. Like I said, Christine was not convicted. They had the charges dropped. Um, George obviously ends up being uh, found guilty. Uh, During the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Mm-hmm. While on the stand, there we go. Uh, Christine, right. what? No, yeah, that's just right. No, I don't know what a better word for that is. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> while under the stand, or while on the stand, uh, Christine Holleran uh, testified that George, while stabbing Nall, had been snarling and growling and said that he sounded like the devil. Mm. Uh, he initially pled not guilty, but there was overwhelming evidence against him. You know, blood everywhere. He already admitted the day it happened, like right after it happened to someone. And, you know, like I said, Christine Holleran saw, saw the whole thing. So, yeah, I don't know why he even remotely tried to say that he was not guilty. Um, on behalf of the Nall family, the Cheshire police released the following statement. <clears throat> Andrew was brutally murdered by a man whom he invited into his home. He would have had no idea that Gary George was a sadistic bully capable of the most extreme violence. The cruel and callous way in which Andrew died leaves us unable to feel anything other than utter contempt for his killer. He took the life of a kind and caring man attempting to justify his actions by making untrue and wicked allegations that can that cast aspersions on his victim's character. The lengthy sentence imposed reflects the gravity of his crimes, which gives us some consolation. 
seven months on, our grief, our collected grief is still immense. The trial has been here and the trial has been a harrowing experience for everybody, especially those who loved Andrew. He has gone from our lives, but not from our hearts. <clears throat> so George is serving 12 years for the bottle incident uh, on the other guy on the street the next day and a life sentence for the murder and torture of Andrew Null. Nice. I was going to say 12 years kind of doesn't sound like quite enough for uh, tying a guy oh. up and stabbing him 50 times. Yeah, yeah no, that's, that's 12 years just for stabbing a guy with a bottle on the street. And I'm pretty sure, yeah, that guy lived. Like, he was just mildly injured, but he got 12 years just for that, so. Man, it's one of those things where, like, the storyline or the idea of stuff is usually way better than the reality. Because, like, you know, when you think of, like, whoa, murdering someone, like, it must be like you're in this new world of, like, I can't believe I crossed over into this thing where I murdered someone. And it's like, whoa, it must be all, like, epic feeling. But the reality is, like, you probably just get drunk and kill someone and then you got to pull the nuclear option of like well he was a pedophile rapist and like it's all just sad and lame <laughs> it's like oh man yeah, like, don't uh, be a murderer it's, it's not cool definitely not cool and your last ditch efforts usually aren't uh believed <laughs> yeah <laughs> <clears throat> so um take it away on the loved ones yeah, so uh, this is uh, a movie that I had not heard of. but And, you know, like, I, I love watching movies without knowing anything about them. But in this case, I actually kind of think maybe it backfired a little bit on me. Because, you know, there's, like, that debate of uh, how movie trailers give away too much of the movie. But I feel, like if, yeah, and I'd, I feel like if I had seen the trailer, like, if I had seen somebody tied to a chair getting drilled in the head, I would know we were getting to that. You know, it would make it a smoother ride. But instead, I was just trying to figure out what this movie was. And it made the whole first bit really weird because I'm like, okay, this seems pretty serious. And then, oh, now it's like a kind of goofy teen movie. Oh, now it's serious again. And now it's like crazy shit happening. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is this movie? But kind of similar to you were saying that it really wasn't a ton about the crime. Afterward, I looked up about the movie and it is kind of just one of those like, hey, it's 2009, Australian movie. Here's the guy who made it. Here's the people in it. And that's kind of it. Like, there's not a lot of information about it. So, yeah. So I like at least that, you know, we're shining a light on these movies that, you know, they deserve some love. They deserve someone <laughs> to care about them. Absolutely. Now, I will say this, but Loved Ones is pretty beloved in the horror community. Right. So if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably at least heard of the Loved Ones. Yeah, and I think like this is really telling is uh, just from the little scant stuff on the internet is it's like a 6.7 on IMDb, which sounds bad, but really that's pretty average. That's like what most movies get, but it's 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like the people who did. Yeah, that's crazy good. Like the people who deliberately went out of their way to review this movie, like everybody liked it. <laughs> so, so I mean, I mean it's got hey. an audience score of 73%. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't argue with that. But yeah, I guess I'll give you the quick rundown then of uh, the little notes, the experience I had as I watched this movie for the first time. So so first off, Australian, very Australian dad and his Australian son. They're just driving, they're bantering back and forth, having father-son talk. But man, they do not waste any time. Like all of a sudden there's this bloody dude standing in the middle of the road and they swerve out of the way to not hit him and they crash into a tree six months later. And I'm like, holy shit. 
movie's been on for two minutes. <laughs> like, what's going on? This is already mm-hmm. intense. But then it this is the first like immediate tone shift because six months later, we're just like in this just this dumb teen movie where it's like, oh, Sheila's parents are out of town. You know, you get enough condoms for the party, mate. You know, that whole thing. <laughs> it's like, yeah. all right. So now we're in this mode, I guess. And uh, one thing I thought was funny is, you know, how awkward it is in movies, the way characters say each other's names, just so you know what the characters' names are. Yeah. They di- they didn't do that in this movie. And I was dying trying to figure out what this kid's name is, like our main character. Turns out his name's Brent, but it takes yeah. 18 minutes before anyone says his name. Yeah. <laughs> Which is just like, I was amazed. They're just because I rewound it. I'm like, did I miss it? But they're just always like, hey, what's going on? <laughs> you know, hey, buddy, yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. His dad calls him son. Right. Yeah. So. In my notes, I've just got our teen, but I'll just call him Brent because his name is Brent. Right. <laughs> so this dude, Brent, he gets uh, asked to an end of year school dance by this girl, Lola. And uh, he turns her down because he's dating this girl named Holly. So he's like, sorry, I can't. I'm going with Holly. And then he goes and uh, makes out in his car with Holly while Lola creepily watches them from outside. That's very and again. And I guess, yeah, like the whole setup really is right here. I should have realized like, okay, this is the movie. Just that this Lola girl is going to get murder horror revenge on Brent. But I somehow didn't piece it together. So I was just really confused for a while. (laughs) But again, if I had just seen the trailer, I would know this is what was going on. But you know what this made me think of is this making out in a car thing. Like it is weird that they're just in the middle of the day and someone's just watching them. But the only time I ever had a situation like that it was so weird i was visiting uh dc and i was just a bunch of us were staying in this friend of ours house but we just had to like sleep on their floor because there wasn't enough room and everyone was real drunk so me and this girl that were there we were like hey we're kind of drunk and we're kind of feeling stuff but it's like everyone's sleeping on the floor there's no room but it's kind of getting to be dusk let's go out to your car but it just wasn't dark enough yet And it's just like we just suddenly realized midway through, like, we're just on a street in suburban D.C. And everyone can see in this car, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody really saw us, but it was it was awkward. Definitely wait for nighttime for that stuff, kids. Uh, Well, on that regard, uh, I with one of my high school boyfriends. We were making out in the car, and we definitely got the flashlight knock from some cops. Ah, <laughs> oh, classic. It's like you're in a movie when that happens. Yeah, and I was, like, I'm the kind of kid who had one detention in the entirety of school, my school years, and I still am really pissed about it because it wasn't deserved. <laughs> right. <laughs> so when this happened, like, I'm surprised I didn't pee my pants. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, continue. (laughs) So it turns out that crash at the start. So uh, this guy, Brent, his dad died in the crash and it's kind of made his whole family traumatized. Like uh, Brent's been uh, cutting himself and he has a uh, razor blade that he wears on a necklace around his neck. And his mom is terrified of him even being in in a car because, you know, of this crash that killed his dad. And yeah, this is, I guess, the other tone shift. So we go from the kind of just normal beginning with the the dad and the son then the just like hey let's go to the dance and then i mean i really like this scene but it's weird because it again it just feels like such a shift where brent does this like free solo rock climbing up this like pretty big cliff 
and it was like this really good scene where he he's kind of like holding on but he's leaning back and he's like considering letting go but then he slips a little bit and he grabs on and it's like one of those like oh he doesn't really want to die he does want to live type of scenes Absolutely. and i'm like that and I'm like, this is really well done but again i just all i feel like this movie was not preparing me for how fucking bizarre <laughs> things were gonna get because <laughs> it felt pretty serious up to this point but yeah i really like that scene that's a great scene absolutely um it really sets up for things to happen later i would say it's neat too that just that notion of like you know you're kind of uh you know your head's cloudy maybe and you're having suicidal thoughts but then when you do almost die your mind clears up like there's this documentary called i think it's just called the bridge and it's about people who jumped off the golden gate bridge and how some of them survived super rarely every once in a while somebody survives and they pretty much always say that, that like on the way down, their mind kind of clears and they wish they hadn't have done it, <laughs> you know, yeah, which absolutely. is so creepy because you know that all the people who didn't survive probably also had that moment. And it's like, oh, shit. And then splat, you're done. Yeah. I mean, it's, maybe it's just a shock of adrenaline or something. It just kind of clears your head. But yeah, that uh, that's the part of that movie that stuck with me the most. Also, I guess what was creepy about what was creepy about that documentary is they sat there filming people for like a year. So there's all this footage of people jumping off the bridge. But what they forgot to put in the documentary that they mentioned later in interviews is whenever they saw somebody who looked like they were going to jump, they did call the, uh, you know, the bridge police and they did save a bunch of people. But the way it comes off in the documentary is that they just watch people die for a year. And it's so creepy. That's very macabre. Yeah. That was a, a bit of an editing error, I think. They should have made themselves look a little less horrible. <laughs> but it was an interesting interesting movie, though, that's for sure. Uh, so then, yeah, somebody... He climbs up to the top. He gets up to the top of uh, the, the cliff. He's with his dog. And then somebody sneaks up behind him and knocks him out and carries him away. And yeah, this was, I guess, the first time I, I mentioned in my notes that like I feel like there's like this movie's swerved three different ways. Like Now he's just suddenly been attacked. And again, it's it's really... After, when you're like, oh, okay, it turns out this is that Lola girl's dad. And it, it all makes sense. But to me, I was like, now who's this guy? <laughs> like, why is this <laughs> happening? I was so confused. Oh, now what? <laughs> yeah. So uh, then we cut to our side characters, Jamie and Maya. And I wonder if, should we keep going back and forth to them? Or should we just cover their whole story? Because it has nothing to do with the rest of the movie. So I feel like we could kind of just deal That's with that right true. now. That's not true. It does. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, basically, Jamie is the, uh, he's the sort of bumbling best friend. And Maya is like this troubled girl, troubled bad girl. It reminds me of, you remember the dance dance video of uh, Fall Out Boy? How... Uh how there's like this one girl who's kind of like a girl who smokes and she keeps looking over at this nerd throughout the video and then by the end they're making out that's how i feel about these two characters like they're kind of a mis mismatch but it's like yeah i could kind of see it i'm like sure why not yeah um so if you didn't realize this the guy at the beginning that he's that brent swerves and ends up killing his dad to miss is the uh maya's missing brother ah nice see that's a nice okay so that makes more sense about why she's just yeah like self-medicating and stuff i did not catch that at all yeah and she's but the that's... police chief's daughter and that's right. their kid 
it all bundles up and ties together. That does help a lot because I was thinking like, because basically, yeah, they they go to the dance together and she yeah, gets real fucked up. And I was like, you know, if this was an episode of the OC, like, okay, the continuing adventures of the side characters and, you know, we'll keep going with this. But as I was watching it, I was like, is this just a second short film inside this film? Like, I didn't catch that they were connected at all. Yeah. See, it, it feels a lot more cohesive now, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. That helps a lot because, uh, yeah, because I was confused about that kid in the road, too. But I guess we'll get to him, too. <laughs> this could be, too. I don't know if, uh, yeah, I mean, I got to put some of the blame on myself. Like, I was just... Maybe I just wasn't focusing. <laughs> it seems like there's a surprising amount of stuff that I kind of hey, missed out on. It's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you know this movie, too, and like it's not just up to me to have pieced it together. Uh, yeah. so, uh, I've seen this movie probably 20 times. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then uh, when this guy abducted Brent, he also stabbed Brent's dog, but the dog makes it home, like crawls all the way home, and uh, the mom is freaked out, like, oh, man, that's that's my kid's dog. So she spreads the word that Brent's missing and he's in trouble. And and yeah, this was again like the music is really weird and creepy and really cool. And there's all this tension. And then it's all just kind of dispelled when now we realize that it was Lola's dad who kidnapped Brent. And and they've just like got him tied up and they're having a little party. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like just yeah, such a. It's so weird because like the pieces, I think, are so good. Like all these scenes are good, and like that creepy music was good. And then it's like they're all crashing into each other. It's like each scene feels so weird. It's one of these movies I definitely do feel like if I watch it a second time, I'm gonna be way more comfortable with the ride type of thing. Absolutely. So uh, <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, so they've got this little setup in the house where uh, it's like the. It's Lola and her dad and her mom is like catatonic and has this creepy uh, scab in the center of her forehead. And the relationship between Lola and her dad, right away you can tell something weird's going on. And then it's really, really brought to the fore where the dad buys Lola this prom dress and she like strips down and tries it on in front of him. <laughs> and it's so like, it reminds me a bit of uh, Let the Right One In where there's like the little vampire girl who had... Uh, you know, a, a boy that was with her, but then he grew up and she didn't. So there's just this old man that helps her all the time. And they're kind of having a relationship. Like, that's that's what it felt like. Yeah, and in the book uh, of Let the Right One In, uh, she's not really male or female. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, I guess there's like a little scene really quickly in the movie where you see that her genitals are kind of stitched up, but they don't get into the details. Yeah. But I guess in the book. Shot away, yeah. In the book, they, they yeah, so, go in, into it more, yes. Yeah, so it's like is she is, she's either castrated, a castrated boy, or, or uh, some in-between thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not quite yeah. sure. But, yeah. But, but I guess that's a different movie for a different day if there's ever a vampire murder. <laughs> Which... <laughs> I would love to talk about that movie, but it's just not for the format. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so Lola's got uh, Brent tied to a chair, and they're doing their own kind of little mini prom. I, I guess they don't call it a prom in Australia. It's just the end-of-year dance. And, uh, and again, kind of what I was expecting is, you know, I thought Lola had sort of this fatal attraction thing going on, and she was going to really just be doting to Brent and be the fake girlfriend or whatever. 
but she's actually just a huge asshole. <laughs> like she's really not nice to him at all. She's like force feeding him chicken and threatening to nail his dick to a chair. And <laughs> it's just like, yeah, yeah. Is total. it single lifting good? so uh i don't know i guess uh yeah i guess well you know a bunch of creepy stuff happens but basically oh and uh she injects him too with something which i don't know i feel like i might have even left that part out because brent is extremely sprightly for a guy who's just been injected with what i assume is some kind of tranquilizing stuff because he uh go on Sorry, um, I don't think it's tranquilizer. I think it's something to make it to where he can't talk or scream. Oh, okay. Because if you notice, he hardly makes any noise throughout the film. I think it, like, paralyzes yeah. his vocal cords or something. Yeah, I feel like I need the, uh, like, the dumb guy cut. Because this movie, it's, it's pretty short. I think it's under 90 minutes. If they just added a couple of minutes where everyone is just explaining everything that they do out loud, that'd be perfect for me. I would love that. <laughs> because <laughs> yeah brent uh, manages he manages to kick lola and uh he gets himself free from the chair and like hops his way out of the house and then he half unties himself and like climbs up a tree so yeah i guess it couldn't possibly be like a, a full drugging stuff because how in god's name could he do all that stuff <laughs> it'd be like amazing oh yeah it would be he would be superman <laughs> and then this is where i just feel like it this has to be intended to be funny because they start just throwing rocks at him until he falls out of the tree. And I'm like, like I hope this is supposed to be a joke. Because this part is fucking really silly. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it dances a fine line between horror comedy and like almost borderline torture porn. But I think like it really has a good balance between the two, honestly. Yeah, it is. It's like a shocking whiplash because, yeah, so they're throwing rocks at him and he falls out of the tree. And that seems kind of funny. But in the very next scene, then they just horrifically nail his feet to the floor to make sure that doesn't happen. Nice. Again. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. And that is brutal. Like that scene is that might be the most gross scene, I think, in the whole movie. That one is just like harsh. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like worse things happen to people. But that's the one that just feels so like you can really imagine what that shit feels like. And they're so close up, it's like you can hear the squishing and the intensity and the look in everyone's eyes while it's happening. It's a really intense little scene. Yeah. So then, uh, now that Brent is nicely uh, connected to the floor. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Lola shows him this scrapbook she has of all the other boys that her family has killed, and uh, we see that the bloody kid from the road at the start was one of their targets who escaped. And, yeah, that's one of these things I was a little confused about is uh, she said like oh yeah this guy whatever he's he he made it up but he's probably dead so she doesn't know what happened to him and yeah like i guess the movie didn't seem like it was very clear about what did happen to this kid in the road is he alive did he die what happened in those scenes later on where holly's like trying to find brent and looking him up and then you're going back and forth with the policeman you see a picture of her the daughter, uh, Mia, with a guy that looks less bloody, but the dude in the road in a picture. So um, they don't ever, I don't think they ever explicitly, maybe they do at some point, but it's just kind of hinted and danced around, but it's there. And uh, then, yeah, also he realizes, like, as if he doesn't have enough reason to be pissed at Lola and her family already from the... uh, you know getting uh, his feet nailed to the floor but he's like oh shit like the reason my dad's dead because we swerved out of the way of this guy is indirectly also because of this crazy bitch so that's mm-hmm. extra reason <laughs> to hate her absolutely like of uh, all the murderers it had to be you uh, that so low yeah although i guess maybe in this town who knows how many it probably is just her she's probably responsible for every terrible thing (laughs) that happens in that town you're actually probably not wrong about that (laughs) yeah because i was thinking that like my hometown that i've been stuck in because of covid i've been here man way longer than i usually am and it seems like we average about a murder a year roughly so i was thinking like yeah if we had a family like this that was just like you know, it could literally be just one family <laughs> keeping up the numbers around here. That's fair, yeah. <laughs> so Lola, she carves into everyone's chest, all the victims, L and S, which is just her name, Lola Stone. And uh, apparently this is just the, the one piece of IMDb trivia is that Lola Stone is an anagram of lost and alone. But when someone mentioned that to the guy who wrote this movie, he's like, right on. <laughs> like, he didn't know. <laughs> so... So that wasn't delivered. Yeah, (laughs) just a weird, weird thing. And yet it's a crazy large, like it's just this big heart and the L and the S. And uh, then, yeah, they toss fucking uh, salt in the wound. (laughs) It's like, I was just proud of the guy. Proud of the guy for not dying. Yeah, that's where, again, like the difference between the, uh, the feet thing, you can just really feel the pain where the... The carving, it's starting to get abstract. It's like, okay, this is this is movie horror at this point now. I don't feel as bad because this is so crazy. It's like, what the yeah. fuck? And uh, then, yeah, Lola's like, oh, someday I'll find my prince, but it's not you. You know, it's, it's only my daddy. Daddy is the reason that I hate all these boys because it's only daddy. And I was thinking how uh, 
you know, sometimes the villains in movies, they're kind of weirdly relatable or they're sort of bizarrely justified. But these two are just just like obnoxious. They're just dicks. <laughs> it's like, they're fuck this family. And incest is not relatable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so then uh, I did like how the razor blade necklace came back. That was kind of kind of handy because I'd forgotten that. Brent had this razor blade necklace and it makes sense that they would have missed it because it was under his shirt. So it was a good, cause there's always in every movie, there's the, how do you cut yourself free from your bindings? And it's usually some weird contrived thing. This was a pretty good one. I'm like, Oh, that actually makes sense. I like that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they, he's about to get himself free, but they interrupt him by drilling into his skull. And then you realize that's what they did to the mom. That's why she's so uh, catatonic. And this was, yeah, this was crazy where she starts putting the drill to his forehead. And I'm like, okay, something's going to interrupt this. You know, this obviously isn't going to happen. And it happens. She drills into his forehead. And that's where I'm like fascinated just from a writing standpoint. I'm like, now, how the fuck are you going to get away with this? You cannot drill the main character's brain. You cannot do that. <laughs> so it turns out how they kind of explain it, which is kind of neat. I don't know if this is a real thing anyone's ever done or if this would really work. But it's that they don't lobotomize people with the drill. They just use the drill to make a hole in the skull. And then through that hole, they pour boiling water onto your exposed brain. And that's what they do to like lobotomize people. And uh, it was uh, kind of clever because it's fucking crazy and bizarre. And I've never heard of that before. And that way you can drill the main character's head with a drill and not have the movie be over <laughs> so so that was pretty cool yeah um from everything that i know uh actually we just we studied this a little bit in um elementary school gifted class but people in the middle ages you know like to relieve and like in the roman ages too to relieve headaches would drill holes in their heads to relieve pain and apparently you know if you're going to put boiling hot water in there you're not going to be the same afterwards i don't know how far it goes but yeah and i mean i could kind of see it happening because i know there was like uh i mean like the turn of the century type stuff 120 years ago there was like a kind of big business of lobotomy doctors but i think what they would do is they would take like a sort of like a, a metal spike and i think they was, was it through the nose or I think if you're careful, you can do it through the eye somehow, but they basically just get the thing in there and wiggle it around and just randomly fuck with part of your brain in the, the frontal part of your brain. And it sort of worked. Like if you were just a, a really aggro, impossible to deal with crazy person, sometimes it just made you into a nice, sweet idiot. <laughs> so. Simultaneously terrible and I, I don't know. That's just hard to get around morally, I think. <laughs> yeah, and it's so, uh, you know, it's just so random back then. But I got to admit, I've had that thought because, like, my brother is so super crazy and just hard to deal with. And I'm like, you know, I would never, again, morally, I would never say, hey, we should uh, wiggle a, a fucking ice pick around in my brother's brain. But if somebody else had just done it, if it was the style at the time, if it was 1890 and it made him calm down, I'd be like, yeah. That's not the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> but yeah, right. I think in our modern times, I guess, uh, you know, not that doesn't work so good. Yeah, not so much. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and it's kind of a funny scene where she uh, 
This is her first drilling, her first drilling and brain boiling. Like, I guess the dad did it for everyone else. Oh, yeah, they reveal, right, that they they didn't kill these other guys. There's the dude that escaped, but everybody else they've got in this big, they've just got, like, a big trap door that goes down into their basement, and it's, like, zombies down there, basically. Yeah. And which, again, it's, like, this is, it's, like, this weird mix of, like, it's kind of silly, but it, it kind of works, too, because it made me think of... uh like where zombies came from. I guess that idea of zombies is, man, it's been a while. How did that go? It's like people who, you know, the reason that they were like, oh, that guy came back from the dead was just because they were medically dead, you know, or deprived of oxygen for long enough that when they, you know, came out of their comas or whatever, they were basically mentally damaged after that. And those were the zombies type of thing. So also like in traditional Haiti, Right, uh, and you know voodoo culture and whatnot. They use the pufferfish um, toxin, and it slows your heart down just enough. And uh, they bury you for a little while, and then they, you know, dig you back up, and you're way suggestible to um, commands, essentially. So you're like a slave. Yeah, that's a way more accurate. I knew somewhere deep in the back of my brain from like Serpent in the Rainbow or something. I'm like, I know I heard something about this yes. before. <laughs> I'm just it's desperately like, trying to remember. Yeah, totally Serpent in the Rainbow. So Great yeah, movie, so it's one, and yeah, so this is one of these things where it's like, yeah, this this movie really is walking the line of like it's kind of silly to have a bunch of uh, weird zombies in your basement, but you can just barely justify it. Like, Hey, maybe, maybe this all makes sense. Maybe this could be a thing. So, uh, yeah, so this is Lola's first brain boiling. So she, she drills the hole and it's a little awkward. And then she is about to pour the water in, but she kind of doesn't pour it forcefully enough. So it just pours on her dad's arm. And then she's like, daddy, could you make the hole bigger? <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. So they're fucking around and, you know, just having this weird, it's like teaching your kid how to drive or something, but it's like, here's how, here's how to boil your first brain. So because of them fucking around so much, it's just enough time for Brent to cut himself free. So he gets free from the chair. I guess he yanks his feet out of the, I didn't, I don't remember what happened with the feet, but I'm sure it was gross. <laughs> yeah, he just kind of yanks up and you, you can see a grimace on his face, but it's adrenaline at this point. And yeah, he slashes the dad in the face with his uh, with his razor, but then he grabs a knife and just stabs the dad a shitload of times, which I guess, yeah, with the, the George dude and his real, his, this is, I guess, the closest to that. He stabs the dad a bunch. And uh, then he punches out Lola, he pushes the dad down into the basement, but then Lola pushes Brent into the basement. And uh, it's weird because it's like, I guess this is like, yeah, finally he's stabbing the dad and beating up Lola and stuff. But that's where I always, I have this weird thing with horror movies where I'm like, is the catharsis worth it? They did such horrible stuff to this guy. They almost drilled his brain. (laughs) Like, like I'm glad he got free and I'm glad he stabbed the dad. It's like, yeah, take that. And it's like, wow, though, not worth it. (laughs) Nope. Uh, Meanwhile, the, uh, Jamie and Mia are uh, still uh, <laughs> like I just thought it was so funny every time they this horrible stuff is happening and meanwhile they're just like getting drunk in the car and like should we go in or whatever and having their little prom adventure yeah 
I think you really need their comic relief, though, because of how dark it gets towards the end uh, on the other side of the story. Yeah. So this is the one part where, because uh, I, I deliberately rewound this, too, because I'm like, man, I must have missed something here. But this is where I really feel like something editing-wise went weird here. Because, uh, so, the dad is uh, basically gets attacked by the zombies and you know they're starting to like eat him and stuff he's dead then now and then brent gets pushed in so the zombie people are kind of approaching brent and he's shining a flashlight at them but it doesn't really seem to be scaring them away and it's all real intense but then when we cut back to brent after we checked in on the prom everything's just quiet it's like what happened to the lobotomy zombies like there's just did he fight them did they go away It, it feels like there's something missing here. I can explain that one for you. Please do. So, okay. So <laughs> before, um, once he gets pushed in there, Lola, ha- there's this moment where Lola kind of looks over and she angrily throws a hammer at him. Right. And he also has a flashlight. And then she shuts the, uh, the door over him or the trap door. So it's just darkness. Um, it is you know, you just having to assume, and you do, and it is confirmed later on, but he fights them off with the hammer, and you know that he killed them, because later on, he piles up all the dead bones and those bodies in order to escape from the trapdoor. Oh, nice, yeah, because again, I, I definitely, man, I think I was just not, uh, not at my, my most clear <laughs> brain when I watched this movie, because I was wondering that too, I'm like, I wonder how he, how did he climb out at the crucial moment? but he couldn't crawl out before. So yeah, that's, that's good. Good. <laughs> cause, cause I was thinking like, I noticed it mentioned on uh, IMDb, there's like a, an unrated cut. That's a minute longer. And I don't know which one I saw, but I'm like, that's the minute that I want. I just want the extra <laughs> minute of like, wait, what happened down in the basement? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I used to own the uh, unrated version. I'm not actually sure what the extra scene is to be honest. Yeah, it, did, it didn't seem like very much extra. So, but yeah, I, I like that you're clearing this up for me because yeah, it's like I definitely had these questions where I'm like, I don't quite get what's happening here, but it all does actually line up pretty good. Yeah, this works because you've got this authentic reaction to watching it for the first time, and I can fill in with my twenty times I've seen this and my uh, adoring love for it. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of reminds me of, uh, I was trying to get one of my friends once to watch uh, Event Horizon, that 90s movie about the uh, spaceship that goes to hell. Yeah. yeah, where since I saw it in the 90s, I love it. I've seen it a bunch of times, but he hasn't seen it. So he's, you know, watching it in the modern era. It's not a, you know, it's a B movie. It's definitely not a respected film. <laughs> so he's like, well... <laughs> What's going on with this, 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 and this? And yeah, I could kind of take your role like you are now, where I was like, oh, well, I let, let me tell you. Unfortunately, I didn't turn him around. He still thought it sucked. <laughs> but... I've done the same thing with that movie. I have tried and conv- tried and tried to convince people to watch this. I still can't convince my friends to watch Event Horizon. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. Well, so I guess in a way it's better because like, I was so excited to bring it to him, but I never should have bothered. I should have just let it <laughs> stay in the 90s. Oh, well. All right, so let's see. Brent escapes from the basement. Oh, yeah, and so the side characters, you know, they've been uh, Holly, the girlfriend, and the police chief and the mom, been pretty ineffectual up to this point. They're even saying, like, uh, you know, search and rescue will be here in the morning, and it kind of seems like the insinuation is, like, you're on your own, Brent, because, like, we don't know what to do. We can't find you. 
And then Holly remembers from earlier in the day, Brent was like, oh, you'll never guess who asked me to the, the prom. Lola Stone, crazy Lola. So they're like, ah, well, it's something, I guess. So she tells the police chief about this Lola Stone thing, which I do kind of feel like even that is grasping at straws. I could easily imagine the police chief going like, who gives a shit? So she asked him to the prom, whatever. But it's something at least. So he goes to their house. And just by looking in the window, immediately the stone household is filled with blood. <laughs> so he's like, okay, I'm going in. And then basically we get, it's it, it reminded me a lot of uh, Misery. It's almost exactly like the Misery scene where the police chief comes to Annie Wilkes' house and realizes what's going on just a second before he gets killed. Same thing here. This guy comes in, looks down into the basement, sees the horror down there. And then Lola, what does Lola do to him? I don't know. She kills him, I wrote, but I assume she's, she definitely pushed him in. What did she do to him? I thought she just like whacked him in the head with something. Yeah, I really should be a little more. That's bad writing. It's like whenever I write <laughs> the word it, I go like, don't write it. Like explain what it is. I shouldn't write Lola kills him. It's important. <laughs> it's important <laughs> that she kills him. <laughs> but yeah, so, so Brent's, yeah, not getting saved by the police. And uh, so Lola pushes kills the police chief uh and she's off the deep end now because her dad's dead so she also smothers the mom because she never liked the mom in the first place because you know she wants daddy to herself so she's like fuck this i uh i killed my mom police chief's dead you're fucked brent and in fact i'm gonna go to your house right now and i'm gonna stab your girlfriend and i'm gonna stab your mom and go fuck you <laughs> basically I but like she doesn't she says right there um right. she says you know i'm gonna i'm gonna stab your mum like you stabbed my daddy in the neck and then uh, I'm gonna stab Holly in the heart like you stabbed my like you broke my heart or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah that was pretty good uh and and yeah and then Brent did have uh he got the police chief's gun and takes a quick pot shot but it's no good only one bullet nice job cop load your gun man <laughs> yeah right <laughs> Although it's interesting, too, just about other countries, because isn't it like in England, they don't have, the police don't have guns? I guess in Australia, uh, though, you need you need weapons for scorpions and such. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know if you'd shoot a scorpion. But... <laughs> yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would just annihilate the scorpion, damn. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, in England, they don't, the cops don't have guns. They have like, um, just like nightsticks, I think. <laughs> right. Maybe tasers. So, yeah, Lola just uh, is wandering down the street now. The sun is coming up and she's covered in blood and she's carrying this knife. And I was kind of thinking, like, at this point, if Brent's mom and Holly get stabbed by this maniac who's just covered in blood walking in what quickly becomes full daylight, if they get stabbed by her, they kind of deserve to get stabbed. <laughs> like, this is not a subtle attack. Not at all. Um, just, let's just pause here for a second. <sighs> We have to talk about the song. It's Lola's anthem. Am I it, not uh... pretty enough? <laughs> right. It's so terrible. I, I and this was actually a popular like hit song in Australia, but it just sounds like a whiny teenage girl. <laughs> like I don't feel like that would ever be a popular hit in America, or uh, I don't really. Although I can pick up Canadian radio here. I only listen to the rock station and they, 
the mandated amount of Canadian radio is usually like Loverboy or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was thinking that though with yeah, it's always weird like the songs that are big hits in other countries. Like even the song that the dad and son were listening to at the in the car at the start. I just wish it was like that what's that guy John Farnham? You're the voice, try to understand it. Wow. <laughs> just I don't know, Midnight Oil or even the Vines. Just give me something like that I would know from Australia. Ah, uh, the Vines are fantastic. Yeah. Well, I was thinking that too, just another quick sidebar. Every decade there's somebody awesome from Australia. Like in the 80s, Midnight Oil was awesome. In the 90s, um, Silver Chair was awesome. Yeah, in the 2000s, the Vines was uh, were awesome. Uh, there's this band now for the 2010s. There must be somebody in the 2000s. I can't think of who. But uh, in the 2010s, there's this band Ocean Grove. They're not as famous as, as those other bands. But they're just a wicked-ass Australian rock band. And uh, that's what made me realize, like, Australia is like, they don't give a shit what's popular. They don't give a shit what's trendy. They just want to have rock bands <laughs> for 40 straight years. Pretty and much. I love it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so then uh, everything... Oh, go oh, ahead. Okay, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I'm done with... <laughs> with <laughs> I'm not pretty enough. But in that scene that you're talking about, she's even singing it to herself as she's bloodily walking down the street with the knife. <laughs> Yeah, and then this this final convergence is, uh, I guess this is where you get, I guess, you know, every movie's got to end eventually. It's a little bit of uh, movie coincidences that it's like, all right, let's just let's just get everybody here. <laughs> you know, it's like the heat-seeking magnet where everyone goes to the ending. So Lola's walking down the road that luckily Holly's driving down that same road. And yeah, it's just like a strange scene where Lola is in the road so it's kind of similar to at the start you know of like a bloody person in the middle of the road but then lola's gone but something hits holly's car and i assume it's oh she sees pages fly up of the uh of the scrapbook so i guess lola this is how i'm trying to piece it together i guess lola's got amazing vision and she could see from way down the road that that was holly in the car so she got off the road real quick and hid behind a tree and then when the car came she threw the scrapbook and then that made Holly stop because it kind of just feels like Holly no, hit hits, nothing. Ho- Holly hit her. Okay. So, so again, how did she not see her? Because this was like not only an empty road, like they're like, it's like just the plains. It's like you have a very hard time missing a person in the That's road. That's very true. Um, I feel like uh, she kind of looked away for a second and that's when she hits her. Yeah. And... I guess it's just one of these things like it's just a little, a little bit of editing finesse would have gone a long way because I was just sure, a little confused. Oh, what the hell's but going on? It's not super coincidental that Holly's on that road. Holly knows where the stone household is and is heading right. there because the cops haven't called back. So she's, I guess, worried. And I mean, the cop's dead. So good reason to be worried. Yeah. But and it makes sense to go by too. yourself. It, it does make sense too, that the stone house would be kind of off on its own on this lonely ass road because they're up to some crazy shit in that house exactly so then yeah this is again like the kind of final shift to comedy kind of where it's just uh that there's this moment where holly's like oh what happened did i hit someone what 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 was that and then lola just opens the car door and they just start having this awkward in the car fight (laughs) it's like this is just so un uh 
it's not a it's not like some clever Machiavellian plan. Lola's just like, fuck you, I'm just gonna beat you up now. Pretty much, Stab yeah. you. Uh, and then oh and then Lola, so they, they yeah, tumble out of the car. Lola starts chasing Holly down the road on foot. <laughs> no one's even using the car anymore. <laughs> just running. <laughs> it's like this is weird. It's not how I expected this movie to end. I guess really nothing that I expected to happen is what happened in this movie. So hey, I gotta give it credit for that. Yeah. So yeah, Brent climbs from the basement. And I'm glad you cleared up that he piled up corpses to do that. Cause yeah, it's just like I just assumed again, it's like, well, the movie's gotta end, so I guess he <laughs> climbs out now. <laughs> but your explanation's way better. And he uh grabs the police car and is racing down the road. Oh, and this is where it's a, a lot like the start, where he sees Holly in the road, he swerves to avoid hitting her, just like in the opening. But then instead of crashing into a tree, he hits Lola, boom, runs over her. And actually this, I think like the grossest scene is is the stab in the feet to the floor, but this is definitely my favorite scene of Lola's not dead. Like her fucking arm is broken, she's all mangled up, and she's still dragging herself down the road <laughs> toward them. Like what's and, the end game there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then and then I love too that there's none of this like, oh, let's have fucking uh, you know, hey, just, it's over. Don't worry. We've won. We'll bring her to justice or any of that shit. Instead, Brent puts the car in reverse, fucking runs over her again. And uh, and uh, there's a combination of cool rock music and slow motion. Because, <laughs> again, yeah. this movie does everything <laughs> all the time. And then that's the end. Uh, you do see him, like, go home and embrace his mom. So, you know, she knows that he's alive. And then right. it's fade to black relatively happy ending all things considered <laughs> sorry police okay. chief but hey yeah you know you didn't get your brain boiled maybe <laughs> that paralyzing agent will wear off and you can talk again if not sign language <laughs> not the best it's not the worst but yeah i'm definitely glad to uh be introduced to this movie because uh so I do this little movie podcast with my friend uh, Ray sometimes called The Prison Wallets, but we haven't done any since COVID because he lives in Toronto. But whenever I can finally go back, you know, like this is kind of this kind of we, we sometimes we do uh, more well-known movies, but we like to do movies nobody's ever heard of. And uh, no offense to the loved ones, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's kind of neat. Like like we did. It's this movie like The Babysitter. It's pretty recent. It's a Netflix movie. Just a movie that no, nobody cares about it's another one no one ever talks about so we did a commentary for it and it's like our most viewed episode because nobody else is doing the thing so i'm like yeah maybe i'll pitch him this movie next year when i finally get to do some new episodes our most popular one is the scream episode oh yeah nice well see that's that's what is the weird balance of uh popular and not popular or whatever is is if you do obscure stuff no one else is talking about it, so you can get some views that way. But yeah, sometimes just doing the stuff that everyone knows <laughs> works yeah, way better. Yeah. yeah, that and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, those are super popular episodes for us. Nice. Uh, which, that's a fun episode, because that's the one where we ended up giggling and uh, doing a slow motion version of Leatherface on Instagram, like spinning around with his chainsaw to uh, Wicked Game by Chris Isaacs. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh we had a lot of fun with that episode. <laughs> All right. So uh Yeah, so I guess since we flip flopped the stuff, yeah, I guess uh 
I guess we're done now. We don't we don't have to talk about the crime. We already talked about horrible George and his drunken nonsense. We did. Um, salt in the wound, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he won't be getting out of jail ever, probably. So that's good. I wonder um, how that feels to like make a movie and then to find out somebody. You know, it's not like it was a, a direct copycat crime. Obviously, it was going to happen anyway. But just for it to, it's for it to, that to be at all in the air of like, oh, I wonder if this guy had this idea because of the movie I made. Like that must suck. That must suck. And I mean, it happens more often than not. There's a show on the uh, Reels channel that's literally called Copycat Killers. It's all about people who saw something in the media and were like, you know what? That's a great idea. <laughs> There's an episode on Dexter that a dude, I believe he's from Canada, that mimicked, uh, he tried to lure someone into his garage and made it like a kill room. Yeah, because uh, uh, that Dexter thing, uh, Kevin Smith did that too in his movie Red State. He had never seen Dexter, but he also was like, hey, it just makes sense. Fucking put saran wrap around somebody so they don't bleed everywhere. <laughs> like, I guess oh, it yeah. sort of makes sense. Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen Red State. That was a good movie. Yeah, surprisingly good, because Kevin Smith not always good, <laughs> but that one was all right. Very true. Yeah, that one's all right. Uh, I think it's extremely underrated, because um, I mean, his other foray into uh, horror is extremely infamous. I'm talking about Tusk. Yeah, I saw that in the theater. <laughs> oh God, that's you know, that's just not a movie that needs delightful movie theater snacks for. <laughs> it's always weird though with Kevin Smith where it's like yeah Tusk was bad but then the next one uh, Yoga Hosers was so much worse that it makes Tusk seem better <laughs> which is like it's, it's a weird career to have uh, it's unbelievably bad it's just weird that like you know it's always kind of a downer when people are like oh Kevin Smith sucks but when he sucks he really sucks <laughs> yes very true when he's gold he's gold but when he sucks he just goes to the the deepest self-serving dregs. Because, I mean, that movie is just a vehicle for his daughter and Johnny Depp's daughter. That's all it is. Yeah. And they weren't that bad, really. I feel like he did them a disservice. <laughs> I can't even... I cannot overemphasize how bad it was. Oh, I hated that movie so much. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, have you watched anything interesting lately besides The Loved Ones? Man, well, I guess the weirdest thing lately, speaking of that Prison Wallets podcast, because we did, we've got some archived stuff, and I just put out our episode about uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2, because again, we always do the weird one that everyone forgot, and I, I don't know, second. yeah, because like the thing I didn't realize about that movie is that it's like the lead actor was a gay guy, and I don't know if the writer was or not, but there's like tons of gay subtext in that movie and it's really interesting and really fascinating but the director was like i didn't know about that <laughs> when you watch the movie it's like what do you mean you didn't know about that this movie is like it's because it's basically like instead of the final girl being a girl it's a guy and yeah. he's like and it's so clear that that's what's going on and i just i really think that's interesting that they they somehow I mean, they made the movie in like 11 months or something, like really fast turnaround, but that they did it under the director's nose and he didn't realize that they were making the, like this, this gay horror movie. <laughs> like, that's awesome. That's so cool. 
Uh, there's a wonderful documentary about this called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street. It's available to stream on Shudder. And it goes into the uh, how that really ruined his career. And that, um, you know, he embraces it to some degree now. But it just talks about, you know, that effectively that sort of outed him at a time when it wasn't, you know, cool to be outed or even safe for some people. As well as just a real um, disagreement between between him and the writer-director. Like, they, you know, because it's pretty much ruined his life. And, uh, you know, how you were saying earlier that he this happened sort of under his nose. But then later on, when it started to be called brilliant and, you know, this gay icon of a horror film... He started trying to take credit for that, and it's such a backhanded thing. Man, y'all have to watch that, because, yeah, we were just kind of coming up with our own theories about it. I didn't know anything about the actual reality of the situation. But it was kind of interesting, because me and Ray, you know, we were just kids in the 80s, and we were just thinking about, like, how different it was back then, where that was just... You just call your friends gay all the time and it doesn't you don't think it means anything. But it's like, imagine being a gay guy in that environment where it's just like every, ugh, it must have been the worst. <laughs> you know? oh, yeah. But yeah, it really made the it made the movie so much more interesting because like otherwise, what would it have even been? It just would have been this like lame sequel that nobody needed or wanted. But instead, yeah, it's got all this stuff going on in it. Yeah. It's been called by some critics the gayest horror movie of all time. Yeah. Yeah, the only other one we could think of as a contender is maybe um oh man, what's that movie called? Sleepaway Camp. But Sleepaway Camp is kind of different where it's like the main character is like a transsexual sort of. It's all confusing and weird, but it's just kind of inadvertently gay. Like the dudes are all wearing these like cut-off shirts all the time and it's just weird. It doesn't seem to have any point, really. So it's nice that Nightmare 2 has some kind of reason, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, man, speaking of Sleepaway Camp, though, that's one of those movies that could not get made today. Just yeah. not at all. And, man, talk about, again, walking the line of, like, just this bizarre, dumb movie where, like, you know, one of the actors shaved his mustache off and they put a fake mustache on him. And, like, it's just a piece of shit movie. But legitimately creepy at the end when you realize, like, that girl was a guy the whole time. Ah. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, like the end that of would the be a crying game. <laughs> yeah, except with the decapitation. And yeah, just uh, like, I don't know how you would even remake it or like navigate those waters. Like, you could only get away with a story like that back in the 80s when nobody cared about fucking anything. <laughs> so. Yeah, when trans rights weren't really a thing on the forefront. You know, because in a way, it really demonizes a, a transsexual character, and uh, that's just, just not done anymore. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that movie, though, is uh, they got they just kind of hired a random guy to come in as the stand-in for the the male genitalia. So and so he had to wear like this creepy recreation mask of the girl, and that's why that like frozen image of that like screaming face looks like that at the end because it's literally plastered in that look permanently because it's just a mask man that is one of the best things about horror movies because they tend to have such small budgets is like 
the stories behind them are always so good or just so interesting of how did they cobble together this weird movie <laughs> and it's just awesome yeah, absolutely um i i love uh slowly becoming more and more of a horror movie uh historian <laughs> uh yeah um i watched some interesting stuff this week i've, I've been on this weird um role lately which like i always watch lots of horror movies but i'm a huge gamer too right. and i i spend a lot of time playing specifically fallout 76 and because the new season was coming up this past week, I had been resting my hands because I have bad arthritis. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I've been resting my hands so I can game. So I've just been watching a lot of horror movies. Um, I saw this horror movie. Uh, God, what was it called? Shoot. Um, oh, you know what? You know, let me just talk about this one. Last night, Mark and I both had extreme um, insomnia. So we stayed up on Pluto uh, TV, which is like a free streaming app. Um, and <laughs> we watched Cube Zero and part oh. of Hypercube. <laughs> Isn't Cube? Cube is Canadian, right? The first one? Cube is Canadian. And the first one's yeah. great. Yeah, I wasn't aware there were more, but of course there is. Why wouldn't there be? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, it spawned a whole franchise. I mean, everything after the first one was direct to DVD, though, of course. Right. <laughs> um, or actually, I guess some of them were VHS because the 90s. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no. Um, Cube Zero was surprisingly not terrible uh, for a sequel. Um the hypercube one was far worse. Uh, but there is one thing that I like about all the cube movies. They don't have good endings. Like, there's not just a kind, you know, little bow that wraps up and everything's okay at the end. Like, things just don't go well for any of the characters in those movies. <laughs> <laughs> and I like a movie that has a dark ending and there's not a good ending in a horror movie. Like, it's horrific. And, you know, good things don't always happen. So, I kind of like the realism in that. Although the concept of Cube is redonkulous and not realistic at all. <laughs> Man, I feel like that could be another like podcast is just uh, like to just watch all those like direct to DVD sequels, <laughs> like how far down the line things go. Like uh, when that Dawn of the Dead remake came out, you know, that Zack Snyder made and it was like pretty good and everybody liked it. But then they made a straight to obviously a different team made a straight to the DVD Day of the Dead See, uh, remake with Mina Suvari in it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, wow, this sure went to shit fast. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, because I mean, I, I have to be honest, Day of the Dead is actually probably my favorite of the Romero trilogy. I mean, he does have other ones after that, but like those first original three, I really, really like uh, Day of the Dead because there's Bub, who is yeah. uh, <laughs> the. Uh, Featured zombie that they are trying to like teach to be civilized essentially. They're, yeah, like, trying... he like wears headphones and tries to shave and stuff. Yeah. Uh, my dad and I talk about him a lot. Like, that's one of our favorite characters in horror is Bub. <laughs> and it would be such a perfect movie to remake because, you know, there's all this stuff about how the original, you know, he didn't have the budget he wanted. And, you know, it obviously doesn't have the same scope as, as a lot of his other movies. But yeah, they just. Sure did not uh, 
capitalize on that. <laughs> it's like, is Mina Suvari free? <laughs> like, oh God. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's where her career is gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. She was great in American Beauty. She was. But yeah, that's one thing I'd love to do too, is like make, uh, just make really bad sequels to stuff. Like, I don't know if you, it would even be illegal, but like American Beauty, anything, just pick any like acclaimed movie and make a straight to streaming sequel. That's a piece of garbage. I think that would just be a funny career to have to just be that guy. That would be a funny and fun, although I can't imagine very lucrative career. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But there is something kind of similar to that that already happens is like a movie will come out that'll be super popular and then about five or six different movies that are just clones of it come out. Yeah, I guess like the the sci-fi original movies of like whatever like Predator was called, like Alien Boat or whatever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, that happens to pretty much any horror sci-fi movie that comes out. Like five different uh, pale clones come out. It is what it is. I was thinking, too, because, you know, there's always those cases where you get, like, Birdemic or The Room or something where it's, like, so bad that it becomes good. And I was trying to figure out, like, how could you recreate that or make that happen because it's such a rare thing. And the two ideas I had were either get a really good team of filmmakers to make a movie written by first graders or get a really good script and have all of the directing and filming and stuff supervised by adults but done by first graders <laughs> like one or the other and i just wonder what would happen like i bet it would be so funny you know what do you remember that show that hbo used to have that was called project greenlit or Greenlight? right yeah yeah or it was i think it was matt damon and ben affleck they basically you know hear all these different like film things or film um scripts or whatever and then they just gave it to the one with the most promise and they helped them they spend a season helping that person make that movie. This would be a great reality show where you're <laughs> where you're uh, following your idea of the the first graders writing or directing a script. Yeah, maybe it would be, be better would if they that. did. Yeah, like the, the directing and the filming. That'd be so good of just like because then that's where you get like none of the shots would be framed right and everything would be all weird. <laughs> like. That would be that'd be awesome. Yeah, I would watch this. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think yeah, the reality show would be key because yeah, even if the final result is unwatchable, <laughs> you know, like maybe put it out as a bonus feature, but you just need the clips from it and then yeah, the yeah. process of how it got made. Yeah, you'd be brought along for the ride, and that would also be how it's funded. Man. What crazy person would fund that? <laughs> Yeah, why aren't we producers? We got to make this show like yesterday. This is awesome. <laughs> I would I know, watch right? this show. Me too. <laughs> uh, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that was a good bonus episode. And um, Morgan will be back uh, in May for the first episode of our Dahmer series that I said before is going to be um, My Friend Dahmer versus the early half of his life. And then in the second part of May, we will be doing Dahmer 2002 versus the actual killing years of Jeffrey Dahmer. So stay tuned for that. Man, there's a whole Dahmer month. Holy shit. Nice. Yeah. 
May is Dahmer month. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right. Bye.